We are in James chapter 4 tonight, James chapter 4. We spent last week in the uh, book of James. I want to just do, uh, go back there again this evening, James chapter 4. Talk uh, several different subjects tonight, but starting off here, he mentions and talks about pride. And pride is a, is a funny thing. It's we can ease, something we can easily spot in others. Very easily, isn't it? You can, you can notice very quickly if somebody is prideful, uh, but it's really hard to see in ourselves uh, because it's very excusable for us to be proud of ourselves because, I mean, after all, it's me, right? So uh, I can imagine why everybody would be pleased with that. Uh, Augustine said this, Every proud man heeds himself, and he who pleases himself seems great to himself, but he who pleases himself pleases a fool, for he himself is a fool when he is pleasing himself. Got that? All right. I, I thought tongue twisters were a late thing, but it's not, I guess. But uh, basically, you pleasing yourself, you're pleasing a fool, because by nature of that. So, uh, But these same people that are very uh, full of themselves are then also very critical of others. And I think that's one of the uh, manifestations of pride in a person's life is a critical spirit. It's easy to be critical of others. Most of us are a lot prouder than we would like to believe we are. Uh, I think that that's something we probably struggle with. And if we don't struggle with it, maybe it's more of a problem than we think. But pride is something that I, I know in my life I have to constantly uh, just uh, depress it down, remind myself without God I am nothing. It doesn't, you know, you sometimes you do something and you can it'd be tempting to take the credit, and uh, it's the Lord through us. But pride's not a new thing. It began before the world was even created, the first swelling of pride. We read about Sunday morning in Isaiah chapter 14 uh, when Lucifer uh, rose up in pride against God. It led him to being cast out of heaven, becoming Satan, the adversary of God and God's people. And uh, since then, it's never went out of existence. In fact, uh, he has used the, the sin that took him down to take so many of us down as well. Really, at the root of most sins is pride. And so we struggle with this our entire lives, and James could see it in his readers. When people are worldly-minded and proud, they're very quick to criticize others. And conflicts among these Christians uh, had its origin in the fact that they were judging and speaking evil of one another. And tonight's message... I, is is very difficult to preach when a church is in trouble or when a church is having these problems. But since we're not, it's a lot easier. I praise the Lord that we're not having a lot of issues that are in churches um, that I know of anyway. So I usually would figure that out. Though uh, James chapter 4, let's start at verse number 11. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. We'll break that down in a minute. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. 
Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I want to talk tonight for a few minutes here. When nobody's act like somebody's. When nobody's act like somebody's. Father, I ask you to use your word. Challenge us from it tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing that he points out here is that they were speaking evil of one another. 11 and 12 there. To speak evil of a person is to find fault with him. And boy, some people find fault like there's a, it's an Olympic event, you know. Uh, that, like there's a reward for it. They just love finding fault. Uh, it means to speak critically or to gossip maliciously. And uh, fault finding is not a spiritual gift. <laughs> it's not something God has endowed you with a special ability to find fault with others and to point it out. Uh, there, there's nothing easier in the world than fault finding. We could all be involved in it. It's the easiest thing to do, to look at other people and find and pick apart their problems. It's a uh, it's, it's something that's difficult for us to do looking inward, but it's easy to do looking outward. Usually, fault finders are not fact finders. They're not looking for facts. They're looking for faults. And it's much easier to look for faults because it's not really about the truth. It's about tearing each other down, and this is what they were doing here, speaking evil of another. And how sad is this, especially in the, in the church of God? And that's what was going on here. I don't know if you've ever heard of the the Tater family. Read a few of these. Some people are bossy. They like to tell others what to do, but they don't want to soil their own hands. Too many chiefs and not enough Indians. They're called dictators. Some people never seem motivated to participate, but are just content to watch while others do the work. They are spectators. This is the Tater family. Okay, Different names in the family. Some people never do anything to help, but they're gifted at finding fault with the way others do the work. They're called commentators. Some people are always looking to cause problems by asking others to agree with them. It's too hot, it's too cold, the preaching's too loud, services are too long. They are called agitators. There are those who say they will help, but somehow just never get around to actually doing anything. They give lip service, they don't do any work. They're called hesitators. Some people come up to the front, uh, or put up a front, and pretend to be something they're not. They're called imitators. So uh, we could go on. It doesn't get much better. But uh, which, where do we fall? Uh, you know, th there's all kinds of, uh, of ditches we can fall into when it comes to being a critical people. And James is writing to people here that are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. They're members of the same body, and they're turning on one another. It's like the body attacking itself. And that is unnatural for a body to do. Suppose my hands started to attack my, the rest of me, you know, just, and there's nothing I could do. I was trying to ward off my own hands. You think something is seriously wrong with that guy. Something's wrong with that picture, okay? Something's not right because the body does not attack itself under normal circumstances. And, and as strange as that would be, it's no more strange than what's going on in many churches. Christians attacking one another criticizing. We have a tendency to dismiss this as, it's a, as if it's a trivial thing, but James refuses to do so. He's calling it out, and he's making a big deal about it, which we should. He wants to, his readers to stare this ugly thing right in the face, and so he's calling it out and talking about it. He begins by telling them that evil speaking, uh, d doing that is them setting themselves above the law. There's a law against evil speaking. It's God's law. And when we attack a brother or sister in Christ, we're breaking that law. But more than that, we're suggesting that we know better than the God who gave that law. That's why he says here in, in uh, 
in uh, verse uh, verse 11, the last part of verse 11, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver. So when we are ignoring what he tells us to do, and we go our own way and do our own thing, and we're attacking each other, we're evil speaking, we are basically saying we know better than the lawgiver. Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 7 that uh, it's okay to help other people with their problems. Christians ought to do that. It tells us to bear one another's burdens. It tells us to help weaker brothers. And, and so we ought to help each other. But uh, we first have to judge our own sinfulness. And he used that great visual illustration that if you have a big beam coming out of your eye, then you're not going to be able to pick out a speck out of somebody else's eye. This beam is going to get in the way. So first, remove the beam in your own eye, and then you can help get take the speck out of your brother's eye. It's a good thing to help someone, just not doing it without realizing that we need some help too. And that's what he's trying to say there. So when we judge other Christians without love and mercy, we make ourselves lawgiver. And James says, God is the only lawgiver. There's only one lawgiver, and it's not you and it's not me. Curtis Vaughn said, the man who deliberately breaks a law thereby disparages that law. In effect, he sets himself above it and declares it is a bad law and not worthy to be obeyed. If I, like right now, there's more construction zones than not construction zones. So, I mean, we're just, it's like the life we've come to get used to. Um, if I speed through a construction zone, I'm essentially saying that the people in authority who set that speed limit, they don't know what they're doing. I know better than they do. I mean, it's a simple illustration, but that's what I'm saying by my actions. No, they don't know what they're talking about. 55, what do they mean? I can do 80 here, and people walking all around. You know, I'm saying I'm, I know better than they do because I'm now become a judge. Instead of obeying the law, I'm making the law. That's what James is saying here. And there's only one lawgiver, and we can't get in his way and take over his job. I know better than God and His law. That's what we say with our actions. Putting ourselves above the law. Gordon Ketty. Law works that way. You either submit yourself to it or you set yourself above it. And we're not above God's law. When we break one of God's laws, that's what we're trying to, in effect, doing. We're setting ourselves above that, but obviously we're not there. And that's pride. Back to what we were, where we started. Pride does that. And uh, that is begging uh, for trouble. When we set ourselves up uh, against God, we forget one thing who is, that is very important, and James talked about it in verse 12. Look what he says. There's one lawgiver who's able to save and to destroy. Good thing for us to remember that, isn't it? He can save and he can destroy. Uh, be sure that God is not going to let us get away with thumbing our noses at him and his laws. And thank God he has the power to save. We're all grateful for that. We're grateful that he saved us, and where would we be without that? We'd be lost, and uh, but he also has the power to destroy. We tend to forget that. We just like to remember the saving part. We also have to have that. That's why Proverbs over and over and over talks about the fear of the Lord. We should have that in our life. James here is saying that evil speaking always has a big price tag attached. It's And it's a big price. It's a heavy price to pay. Before we buy it, we ought to look at the price tag. That's anything, but that's how we ought to look at the uh, the actions we take too. I when on the occasions that I go shopping with my wife, not my favorite thing to do, but sometimes I like to spend time with her. So you got to do what you got to do, right? So uh, she'll have two dresses. You know, which one do you like better? 
I don't care, first of all, you know that. But I'll always, well, let me look at them. And then I just kind of go past the tag and see, okay, this one's 120 This one's $15. You know the color in this one. I just really like the way that it's, it brings out the color in your eyes better. That one right there, I really like that because I look before I buy something, I'm going to look at the price tag, and that's going to be a big decider of whether or not I want to buy it. Well, there's a price tag attached to evil speaking, James is saying. and We better be careful of it. Before we engage in it, remember that God can destroy. That's what he's mentioning here. He promises to judge it. And this judgment takes place in many different forms, but uh, many times it takes place in our life and in those around us. How many of God's blessings have we, have we forfeited in our life because we spoke evil? How many friendships have been ruined? How many people have been driven from the church? How many church leaders have been driven into discouragement? How many children have been driven into disillusionment, even leaving the church sometimes because of evil speaking? This is a price tag that we pay in order to have that delicious feeling of cutting someone else to shreds. And James is warning against it. There's a big, big price tag attached. If God's judgment does not find us here, it'll find us in eternity. But make no mistake, it will find us. And, and one, one thing that we need to carry away from James' message here is the question in verse 12, Who art thou that judgest another? The last line of verse 12 there. And we might put it in today's words, who do you think you are? That's what he's asking in essence there. Uh, that's what God asks us uh, in, in, through his word here when we are shredding a brother or sister in Christ. Who do you think you are? It's not your place at all to be that evil speaker. And so that's one thing he warns again. The second manifestation of pride that he could see was planning without regard to God. We see this in verses 13 through 17. And the, he could see his readers do this, and we still do this today, even though, wouldn't you agree with me that we're closer to the end than James was? A lot closer. And so James could see his readers doing this. They would talk about going to such and such a city, he said, spending a year there, or doing their business there, and uh, we'll go to this city or that, uh, carry on this business, make that money, had these plans, and they were oblivious to the presumption of predicting their own future. Look at what he says. Go, go to, verse 13, go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. Now, obviously, is it a good thing to plan? Absolutely. I had two phone appointments today talking to two different banks about CD options. I mean, we plan for the future. Nothing wrong with planning for the future. And uh, I found out they don't sell CDs. It's some kind of, you got to put money into it, but. That's a joke. Uh, but anyway, they, it's, it's a good thing to plan. You, you have IRAs, we have retirement, we do those things. But we should not presumptively plan. And that's what James is talking about here. So divine will was left out of their formula completely. Just as it's left out in the previous problem they had when it was judging others and speaking evil of one another, they left God out of that one and they're also leaving God out of their plans now. They're talking as if they're in charge of their own lives and they're not. We're not either. You, they could talk about going to a place, and, and again, this is for our benefit tonight, just not talking about them, but they could talk about going to a place, but before they get to that place, they could end up in another place in eternity. And it ha happens all the time. It happens all the time in our day, too. And uh, we need, just need to be careful to realize, uh, let's not forget what life is. It's a vapor. It appears just for such a little while. 
and then it's gone. In the book, Wit and Wisdom, they report the seven ages of man. Find yourself in this, okay? Spills, drills, thrills, bills, ills, pills, wills. So I don't know where you're at. I'm like in the middle of bills, I think, so a little bit past the halfway point. But the uh, point is, life is moving fast, and time marches on. There's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we do to get yesterday back. We've only got the uh, today uh, to do the right thing. So James tells his readers, stop acting like you're in control. You're not in control. I, I, I'm approaching 50, and I know that's behind some of I know, I think it's shocking, isn't it? I know most of you are like, I thought you were in your 20s. I, I, I understand. But, but uh, it, it, it gets into that. I, you know, I don't know if you ever have to deal with that, but you know, as you're getting, uh, you, you just get almost panicked. Like, you want to turn the brakes on. Put the brakes on a little bit. It's just moving so fast, and you know, time is flying. But you can't. It's going to move right along. 186,000 seconds a day. Nothing you can do to stop it. How are we spending it? So proud living is presuming you've got time, presuming that you're going to have all kinds of time in the future. You can, you can do what's right later. That's presumptive living, and uh, that's proud living. Uh, the, James goes on to say, for you ought to say, if the Lord will, we will do this or that. If you read letters that Christians wrote each other 200 years ago and before that, uh, you'll often notice a postscript uh, DV, and the two letters stand for the Latin words uh, uh, Dio Volente, which means God willing. And it's something the Puritans started, and, and they, they always would sign their letters that God willing. Um, we always That's a good thing for us to keep in mind. That's what uh, James is saying here, if the Lord will. And you might, have, you might use that term too. We're going to do this, Lord willing, uh, because really it's up to him at the end. The eternal God has made for us eternity, and to eternity we must go. And the eternity that awaits us is one either of bliss or woe. Always keep in mind God is in control. None of our plans can supersede his. And so everything we do is Lord willing because he's ultimately in control of it. We ought to live with eternity weighing on our minds. Not in a negative way, but in a good way. Eternity, we have a tendency to live like this life is the main event and eternity is just a footnote. We ought to reverse that. All right? Eternity is the main thing. Eternity is a lot longer than this life is. So let's not just make eternity a footnote. That should be the main thing. Don't count uh, on your time. It's passing. Don't count on your possessions. They'll soon belong to someone else. Don't count on your career. It'll soon be over. Count on this. Eternity is rapidly approaching. What are we doing to prepare for it? And only those, in, and obviously those in Christ, can face eternity you know, uh, with the promise of heaven. But assuming everyone here tonight is, uh, is, is a professing Christian, what are we doing to prepare uh, for eternity as far as what God wants us to do? Then finally, the sinfulness of presumption. Look at verse 16. But now you rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now, boasting has a place in the Christian life as long as it's done in view of the work of God, chapter 1, verse 9. And, and by that, it's good to brag on God. Amen? I, this morning, I, I was just loving the weather. Wasn't it nice this morning? Just be, it was just nice and cool. It wasn't too cold. 
wasn't hot. It was just perfect this morning. And uh, praise the Lord. He's the one that gives us the weather. We can ask for what we want, but he's the one that gives it to us. And so boasting in the view of the work of God is good. But that's not what was happening here. What he says specifically, you rejoice in your boasting. And uh, they are boasting on themselves instead of confessing dependence on the will of God. Uh, there is arrogance in their life, and they're using it to brag on themselves. Boasting here means to manifest the pretense of the self-creation and soul causation of one's own well-being. And our well-being is not, we can't claim causation for it. I'm glad I'm reasonably healthy. I'm glad I can do most things. Uh, you know, I can get around, I can see, I can hear. I'm, I'm grateful for all those things. Uh, I'm not responsible for it. I can help my health by eating right and walking and exercising and those things. And we can help ourselves, but really, we can't, we can't completely control it. What was the, the man we prayed for tonight? He's my age, right? Heart attack and, and uh, issues. And, you know, this, this doesn't... People younger than us keel over, okay? It, we have no promise of it. And so let's not start boasting on things that we can't control. That is the epitome of presumption. 1 John 2.16 For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Habakkuk 2.5 Yea, also because he transgresseth by wine, he is a proud man, neither keepeth at home, who enlargeth his desire as hell, and is as death, and cannot be satisfied, but gathereth unto him all nations, and heapeth unto him all people. Uh, it is in the context of loving the world rather than God that we take pride in our possessions. And we, uh, we start to boast in the things that we have and that we are. There's a relationship here between the friendship of the world and pretense. And that shouldn't be missed because it's the worldly power of speech. It's all, uh, uh, what, what, what is the world all about today? Social media? I mean, it's, it's a, a big orgy of bragamony on ourselves is all it is. It's just uh, every it's self-promotion is at probably the highest it's ever been in history. Every, not only do we have social media, but most people have like five of their own, you know, Snapchat, Nitwit, what are they all called? I can't remember. But there's different ways, different ones that you... Uh, you uh, you can get on and and they and they'll check all a bunch of them. I know that some of my uh, kids even have that multiple platforms, self promotion, and we need to be careful because it's extremely difficult for us to grasp as especially American Christians. It's very easy to get to get caught up in self promotion, and we need to remember who's responsible for it. Uh, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good knoweth and doeth it not to him it is sin. And uh, he, the, giving credit to the Lord, uh, boasting as far as in Him, not in our own selves, uh, those things are what we should be involved in. So James here, uh, he's is bad enough to claim knowledge of the future, and it's worse still to claim knowledge of God's will for the future, which, you know, again, we need to leave that up to Him, uh, and we always do that to our own benefit. And so James is, uh, forbids boasting here in possessions. And uh, we ought not boast in our possessions. We ought not boast in our plans for the future. And James basically is declaring that this is wickedness. He sums up the reference here in verse uh, 17 with a fundamental principle of faith. Um, and at first, I don't know if, when you read it, if it seems a little bit 
detached or like not part of the rest of the passage because it's talking about these different things. And then he says to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. It seems kind of detached, uh, detach, but he connects it with therefore. And so the, the good that believers know they must do, uh, that, ha- that comes with a dependence on God's will. That's in everything that we do. This is uh, like Paul said, uh, for whatsoever is not of faith is of sin, is, is sin in Romans 14, 23. Uh, that which is of faith is virtually synonymous with that which is good. And so uh, we should not disconnect uh, what one does from what one knows. And they were believers. They heard the word of God. They knew the good, but because they had not received it with meekness and humility, they contradicted what they knew and they committed sin. And so James says here, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Uh, we, we, we is, we're like these folks in this church here. Most of the time we know better. We know what we ought to do. And when it comes to backbiting and presumptive living and all those things, I mean, they probably knew better. They just did it anyway. And uh, James is making it very clear that we, uh, what we know and what we do are very connected here. So uh, hopefully th- that's a, those are some few thoughts that are helped to you tonight. But uh, again, going back to verse 11, this is kind of the theme of what he's talking about. Speak not evil one of another. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. Uh, it's a good reminder for us to realize that when we're speaking evil against one another, it's ultimately attacking God. It's ultimately against Him. And uh, we, th- we might think that we're doing righteous work by calling out somebody else, but we're not. If we're speaking evil of others, uh, we need to be very careful with that. So hopefully that's a good challenge for you. And uh, let's take it and live it and do right amongst each other, okay? Thank you, Father, for loving us. We pray that you would help us as we...